And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here on Redeemer Broadcasting. It's great to have you along with us today. In the studio with us is Reverend Mark Diedrich, serving as pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good day. And also Dr. John Vance, senior pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Happy to be here, Dan. These gentlemen were on the program last week when we opened this topic And let's jump right into it today, but first remind ourselves the nature of this program, that within the milieu of history, theology, and current events, we attempt to explore a variety of questions of interest which have been brought to our attention by either you, the listener, or items that we've dug up as we prepared for this program. We try to give you a perspective that's anchored in history and biblical theology and help you flesh out the topic and provide something for you to think about. On our agenda today, gentlemen, is a quotation, really, that came from the Pope. And uh, first, I want to just preface our whole discussion today saying that we have any number of Roman Catholic listeners to Redeemer Broadcasting, and today we are trying to be very careful and stick with what is written here in this quote from the Caritas in Veritate uh, quotation that we have here. Our initial question that was raised last week was this. There seems to be an attack today upon both the individual and the idea of nationhood as demonstrated through the loss of balance between the individual and society, coupled with the strong push for internationalism. And so today we're going to be focusing a little bit more on the topic of internationalism. And uh, how does that stack up against uh, biblical principles and ideas of freedom? Possibly we'll get into a quotation here today from Kuyper, how he saw the possibility of international unity, etc. So who can start us off today with some excerpts from this quote from the Pope? Let me say, uh, uh, Dan, one thing about uh, what this actually means. This is a pastoral letter that was issued uh, in the name of the Pope, as a lot of Roman Catholic theologians have pointed out, this looks more like a work done by a bunch of bureaucrats who put many and various things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, moreover, uh, for you that are Roman Catholic, remember that pastoral letters are not considered infallible. They're considered guidance uh, and so forth. Uh, but this is not the Pope speaking in the bishop's chair ex cathedra. Mm, I so was wondering no, that. No, no, thre- no threat to that. Yeah, before we open the mic, I, I meant to ask you that. So yeah. thanks for that clarification. No threat to that. So the Pope can be as fallible as anyone in the area of politics and other things. He's a human being, of course. Mm-hmm. So we're using uh, a quote from that work, Caritas in Veritate, where it's written there the following if it is the Pope who says it, he says, there is a strongly felt need for a reform of the United Nations and of economic institutions and international finance. There is, he says, urgent need of a true world political authority with effective power. It's the last part of that that is a concern uh, to me and ought to be, I think, a concern to almost anyone who is thinking in some ways politically today Uh, from a Christian perspective. You know, when I saw that quote, I started to get the feeling of, am I reading a letter from a pastoral letter, as you put it, 
or am I hearing like a political speech from some of our modern politicians? <laughs> well, it's highly political, to say the least. <laughs> I'm not very much in favor of this one-world political authority. It just strikes me as something that's, that's against the, the very fiber of um, what we learn in the Bible. I think you have a philosophy here that says that we can come in and take over and we'll be able to make it better. We have a bunch of elites and the rest of you people can't do it by yourself. And mm-hmm. therefore, we have to take over. We'll straighten everything out and take care of everything for you. Well, now, if you think uh, for a moment what it would mean for the U.S., and that's what we're primarily concerned with, uh, our own America, what it would mean for us to be under an international court, an international political authority, an international board that is going to govern everything from the standpoint of the environment or whatever, not that some of these things don't have to be considered, but think of the opportunity it would give, the power that it would invest in certain people and elites who would be far removed from our own individual lives. Let me follow up on that for a moment. What I find interesting is that the further a leader is removed from the people, the less they really understand the needs of the people or value the freedom of the individual. And I see that also uh, in pastoring. I have always said Mm. that a pastor who does not visit the people Mm. and get involved in their lives will not be able to preach relevant sermons that will be helpful to their lives. Mm. And notice that Jesus did that very thing. He went in personally among the multitudes, met people individually on the road, and he shepherded them. And he was called in the scriptures the good shepherd. So this uh, personal touch is absolutely necessary, I think, for true care and Mm. for true freedom. Otherwise, we will uh, be there like serfs, as someone said before we started today, as serfs in the Middle Ages serving the, the powers that be. You know, you made a really good point there, John. If you look at the kings of Israel, think of one of their best kings of Israel, of course, is David. And what was David? David was a shepherd. He <laughs> was in among the people. And as the kings, you had this kind of taking over so that the son became the king, and they grew up with the proverbial silver spoon in their mouth. They became worse and worse. It and was, it was passed on. It's a kind of nepotism yeah. that was more concerned about power than serving yeah. the people and guiding them spiritually away from the gods and mm-hmm. idolatry to be faithful in the covenant to the true and the living God. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, that's the key thing. The problem with it all is all the leaders, even the good ones, are sinners. And when you have a bunch of sinners running things, it's not going to go very well. I mean, if you, you mentioned Jesus, how he was of the people, but he was God, and he is the ruler. That's why I think when the Israelites had a king and asked for a king, and so what did God say to Samuel? They haven't rejected you. They've really rejected me. Mm-hmm. And so when we get something where we want that up above everything else to take care of us, it seems to me... Uh, tacitly in there is a rejection of the authority of God. Of course, I want to raise the question, why is there uh, such uh, disregard for uh, today for nationhood? 
for uh, natural groupings that you would find in Mm -hmm. any society. Yeah, why is that so bad? I (laughs) don't understand. In the name of diversity, we are killing diversity. That is so very true. We, um, a couple of sessions ago on this program, we talked about the concept of a representative government and how that America, for example, truly was a constitutional republic. Um, It wasn't even a democracy in that sense of the word, although you see some evidence of democracy. But really, it's the idea of republic. From that spans some talk about even elders in the church and how that uh, we have ruling elders, let's say, in a church. And not all power goes uh, to uh, the minister of the congregation. Not at all. As very Mm -hmm. important and vital as he is, you have this safeguard so that not all the power is in the hands of one individual. And when I think about this internationalism, this move towards internationalism, I'll be honest, it just scares me. In this pastoral letter that uh, came from the Vatican, and again, we are not knocking the Pope in, in this program, but there was mention about the greater imbalances that would result and to bring about integral and timely disarmament. And, uh, you know, that all sounds good on the surface. If we have as a presupposition that man is good, you know, the problem is, Uh, Man is totally depraved, we learn in the Bible, and he's sinful. And so if we didn't have sin in the mix, it seems that maybe some of these assertions would be a lot more applicable and maybe even a disarmament, but I don't think it's going to happen with sin in the mix. You know, um, I've uh, observed something in reading theology, particularly in the early church, where uh, I've come to the conclusion, I don't want to try to trace it out how I've come to this conclusion. It's not not possible here, but (laughs) that impatience leads to heresy. Now, we know uh, that uh, not waiting upon the Lord, waiting upon the Spirit, waiting upon the work of God's Spirit in our midst. Now, one day there will be a one-world ruler. It will be Christ. All things will be summed up under him. But we need patience to allow him who is impeccable, who Mm. is righteousness, who is just, to rule us. But in the meantime, to invest all of this authority and power in a few elites is to ask for a very simple thing, the elimination of human freedom on a broad scale. And also, it is something that will destroy some of the best things that we have in life, the creativity that we have those good gifts that God has given to us in creation. Hmm. Well, I see we're up against a break. We will be right back here on A Plain Answer. In the studio today is Reverend Mark Diedrich and Reverend John Vance. Stay with us. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, 
Our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're listening to A Plain Answer here on Redeemer Broadcasting. In the studio today with me is Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Reverend Dr. John Vance, senior pastor, Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. We were talking about internationalism and the tendency in a number of leaders today to move us towards internationalism. Or one-worldism. Yeah, uh, you can say, and we're dealing with the uh, the latest pastoral letter issued by the Vatican, Caritas in Veritate, and the title is wonderful. Uh, it's, it's truth in love, and the scriptures demand that, that we good. maintain love in the bond of truth. So mm. they go together; they are not uh, divorced from each other. Yeah. If you divorce uh, love from truth, you have sentimentalism. And if you maintain truth and not love, you have kind of a dead orthodoxy. So yeah. both are, are terribly important. Nonetheless, we're talking about uh, what this push is toward a one-worldism. And I know it's rooted to some extent in security and trying to level the playing field it for everyone. Like it. Yeah. But in human societies, it's not possible to make everyone... And that's the missing ingredient. You've got the sin nature and men wanting to raise themselves up as potentates and run over the rights and privileges and freedoms of other men. Mark, you had some comments. Yeah, you see that. And what I think is at the heart of that is often an elitism. Even back at the time of the Reformation, Calvin had a debate with one of the theologians there. And this theologian basically was writing to the people of Geneva, and and he was telling them, look, you can't understand what really truth is. You don't understand it. So you need to be dependent on the scholars. The scholars will tell you what the truth is. And that's why there was a lot of opposition to the translation of the Bible into the vernacular languages. Oh, yes. And that's why they burned Tyndall at the stake, Mm -hmm. because he was translating the Bible. And it flies in this whole idea of the perspicuity of scriptures. You know, ah, that the, there's that word. Yes, the perspicuity. I love that word. That, that the scriptures are understandable by yeah. all people. And so you have the elites that come in, and of course we have it in our society today. How many times have you heard people say, well, the scientists say. <laughs> and yet there are many scientists who disagree with that. You know, you know, Mark, you mentioned... Um, and, and so did Dan. Uh, sin It's not taken in how yeah. how how much it has entered in to our world. Uh, but there is a kind of utopianism alive yeah. and well that ignores the facts of life. Mm. Right. Human beings are sinful human beings, and if you can keep from concentrating powers uh, in such a way, notice our own government. Mm. What did they do? Our own leaders influenced highly by 
the organization of the churches in Europe, I'm thinking of many of the Calvinistic churches, mm-hmm. organized by that kind of republicanism, they made sure that power was not concentrated in a way that would take away the liberties of the people. Mm. Because the bigger these governments get, the less freedom you have. It's interesting. You mentioned Utopia, and of course, when you think of Utopia, you think of Sir Thomas More, who wrote the book Utopia. You could read the book Utopia and say, oh, isn't this a wonderful thing? But then you saw how he acted when he had the power, and he was as repressive as could be in trying to stomp out people who opposed him. Well, if you, if speaking of literature, why not turn to Animal Farm? Yeah. You know, they <laughs> when the revolt takes place and the pigs get in power, they become more despotic <laughs> than you know, anyone else. You know, uh, I was reading in this book, uh, Lectures on Calvinism, uh, Abraham Kuyper, who lived until about 1920. He was a pastor, educator, author, editor, politician, and uh, he was writing about this very subject about basically the impossibility of an international unity that our internationalists really push us toward. He says this, combining the many families in a higher unity, this unity would have internally been bound up in the kingship of God, which would have ruled regularly directly and harmoniously in the hearts of all men, and which would externally have incorporated itself in a patriarchal hierarchy. Thus, no states would have existed, but only one organic world empire with God as its king. Exactly what is prophesied for the future which awaits us, when all sin shall have disappeared. Mm -hmm. But it is exactly this, which sin has now eliminated from our human life. This unity does no longer exist. This government of God can no longer assert itself. This patriarchal hierarchy, he says, has been destroyed. A world empire neither cannot be established nor ought it to be. I thought that was very telling. For in this very desire consisted the contumacy of the building of Babel's tower. Thus peoples and nations originated. These peoples formed states, and over these states God appointed governments. And thus, if I may be allowed the expression, it is not a natural head which organically grew from the body of the people, but a mechanical head, which from without has been placed upon the trunk of the nation." If Kuiper is right there, he's saying that any one-world system, apart from being ruled by Christ in the future, will end up being antichrist due to sin. It will be in opposition to the one true God. Exactly. Just as Babel was. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing that Kuiper brings in, the first biblical example. We've already been down this road. We've seen internationalism, and it's the Tower of Babel. Exactly. And and as John said, it's going to be antichrist, and as antichrist, it's going to be repressive. If you just look at in the 20th century, the old Soviet Union and how they took in all these other nations, tried to destroy the identity of the other nations. And in the process, what did Stalin do? Butcher 10 million people, 20 million? It's hard to say how many he butchered. Starved to death, uh, apparently uh, close to 30 million in in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. So see how benevolent that one world government is. Yes. Well, these are difficult issues, but uh, I think we need to appreciate at least this. 
people drive and need even, it's rooted in a psychological for security, is often willing to exchange security and give up freedom. But I was thinking about this the other day, and um, you can take one of the most majestic animals on the face of the earth, a lion, hmm. and for sure you can put him in a cage in a zoo, and he may live longer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to go out and look for food. Uh, he probably has a vet who comes and gives him his shots, but he has no freedom. He can't express his lion nature. Mm. And it seems to me the God who made us in his own image made us to be creators mm. and deciders, uh, to seek wisdom Amen. and to use this to his Amen. glory and to exchange in the end your security for your freedom I don't see how that's fulfilling the will of God. That's right. To be men and women of God is to, uh, we're forced really to accept risk. If we're going to be creative, not everything is going to be given to us. We'll work with raw materials, work with ideas, build things. We may find 50 ways of not building something that works, but eventually we'll discover something to the glory of God. And we need the freedom to be able to do that. Well, we've talked a little bit about the hidden dangers of a one-world government. We've mentioned that, yes, this has been tried before. An example in Scripture is the Tower of Babel and how that God came down and he confounded the languages of the people and separated them out. We see nations all over this earth formed on natural boundaries. I wonder also, and I think, uh, John, you raised this uh, notion Uh, Regarding denominations and the formations of churches, is it necessary to have a one-world-order type of a church versus many denominations? Well, churches historically in the East and from the Reformation on were formed along national boundaries. Mm -hmm. They're natural boundaries. Now, they had a higher communion with one another. Take the Anglican communion. You know, we talked about them last week. Mm-hmm. We might have sounded like we were bashing them, but we were yeah. not. No, we weren't intending uh, to. Some of the most vital churches on the face of the earth are some of the Anglican churches in Africa, which are doing oh, yes. marvelous works, yes. ho- establishing hospitals, doing evangelism, yeah. establishing yeah. churches. But it's it's a relationship of a communion of recognizing brothers and sisters But a bishop or an elder or a church leader in Africa is not going to understand us here in Ulster County, New York. It's just not natural. Exactly. Exactly. So we see many churches worldwide. We rejoice uh, with our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord that Christ is building his church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and yet we're not exactly alike. We speak different languages, we have different cultures, different backgrounds, and so, yay, there is a need for uh, many different churches and denominations. And yet we have this one unifying uh, Lord Jesus Christ relationship with him that we talked about last week, the necessity of the new birth in the Lord Jesus Christ, that God takes us from spiritual death, he breathes life into our soul, makes us a child of God. Well, we're talking today about uh, the tendency towards internationalism. There's some thinking that says that we have an urgent need of a one-world political authority, such authority being universally recognized and being vested with power to ensure security for all. 
And I just love that illustration, John, that you gave us about about the lion. If that lion wants to minimize his risk, he's just going to stay in a cage for the rest of his life. But uh, there's certainly no freedom there. One of the things I just want to mention, you know, is John said caritas was the first part, which means charity. And one of the big things that people are, are looking to with this one world government is more love, more charity, more equitableness. But when you look at the Christian church, that's where you're going to see it. Yes. Because if you look worldwide, who are the ones that are sending missionaries? Who are the ones that are, are, are sending the aid into mm. these places to take care of the people. It's the Christians. Just to give a little example of that, but I think it's characteristic. I'm a ham radio operator. I was listening during one of the big hurricanes. The hurricane had gone through, I believe it had gone through Haiti. And I was listening to this one radio operator after it had passed through. The planes of relief were coming in. The first plane, of course, was from the United States. And it was one of the military planes that landed. The second plane, Salvation Army. Mm, there you go. Salvation Army. Yeah, there the Christians go. were there right away. And I think that's characteristic around the world. Well, I see we're just about out of time for the program today. You're listening to A Plain Answer here on Redeemer Broadcasting. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining us today, Reverend Mark Diedrich, who serves as pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York and Dr. John Vance, serving as Senior Pastor of the Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern, New York. We've been talking about this trend towards internationalism and the push for that. We've looked at some biblical principles that uh, provide us reasons for individual nation-states, yea, even uh, individual churches. And so we're at a time already. Just a quick reminder, if you have questions that you want us to address on the air in future programs, visit our website, RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Click on the link, contact us, and send us an email. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Thanks for joining us today for A Plain Answer. <laughs> 